Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back to For the Girls. We are here for a very, very special episode. We are so lucky to be joined today by Mario Isola, Pirelli's motorsport director, to discuss, of course, Pirelli's exclusive tire supplier partnership with F1, its focus and commitment on sustainability. But also, Mario, if you'll allow us, we want to hear much more about your second life as an emergency first responder and how you got into motorsport in the first place. So, Let's start from the beginning. We would love to hear a little bit about your backstory as a carter. I know you were a Pirelli test driver. Your three decades almost of being at Pirelli. Tell us how you eventually came to be in this role. Yeah, when I was uh, 12, 11, 12, uh, I started to be a motorsport fan. At the beginning, I was more committed on other sports. Uh, in Italy, uh, football is very popular, but I stopped to, to follow football and I started to be passionate about motorsport. At that time, Gilles Villeneuve, Gilles Villeneuve was my hero and I was uh, stressing my dad to buy me a go-kart uh, to be a race driver. And, uh, and so I started racing with a go-kart uh, and I did it for 10 years uh, at the point when my dad told me, if you find a sponsor is good, otherwise I don't have any more money to spend on your career because uh, obviously you believe you are world champion in Formula One, but then you realize that it's not so easy. So I stopped racing with go-kart. I started studying mechanical engineering because I want to be connected with my passion in, in a different uh, way, let's say. And then I was lucky enough that, that in the period I was... Uh, Still at the university, but also looking for a job. Pirelli was looking for a test driver. So I had an interview. I had a test in Bizzola. And um, 
they didn't they didn't tell anything to me so it was like uh, uh, waiting for one week uh, to understand which was my future and then they called me saying uh, okay we want to employ you and that's what happened and then when I was uh, in Pirelli I moved from uh, test department to design department for road tires and then winter tires and then there was a uh, they were looking in the company for an engineer, um, for a designer of uh, tires for the superbike. And I applied for that. But then my boss told me, I move you to motorsport car. No motor. By the way, we are separated. We have one team that is in charge of uh, uh, car racing and one team that is in charge of motor racing. So I moved for, from uh, the design department, the winter tires to motorsport. And that's my career in few words. That's so great to hear that you were there for so long and that you were able to move through the organization. And of course, eventually you ended in the motorsport division. Tell us a little bit about the long history of Pirelli with Formula One. It's been over a hundred years. How did Pirelli get involved with F1 in the first place? Yeah, I would say it's a long story in motorsport in general because Pirelli has been always committed in motorsport uh, and uh, we have a long tradition in rally, for example, in the World Rally Championship as well as in Formula One. Obviously, we started in 1950. I, I was not in Pirelli at that time. I'm old, but not so old. And then uh, back again in 1980, uh, late 80s, beginning of uh, 1990. Uh, and then uh, the last period started in 2011. Uh, at that time, uh, Bridgestone was the sole supplier until 2010. And there, there was the opportunity to be the sole supplier in Formula One in 2011. So we decided to apply. It was uh, a really a challenge at the beginning because uh, it was decided to select Pirelli as a sole supplier in June 2010. So you can imagine the short time we had to create everything. We didn't have a product, we didn't have a factory, we didn't have a logistic, wow. we didn't have the people to, to join Formula One. And believe me that Formula One is a very demanding championship. We have yeah. more than uh, 50, between 55 and 60 people at each event, uh, not uh, counting all the people, engineers and other support uh, um, departments uh, in Milan and in UK. So. It was uh, really a, a race against the time. And I remember that we tested for the first time uh, our product in August 2010 in Mugello. Wow. The very first time we went on track. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the first uh, what we call collective test was after the Abu Dhabi race, yeah. uh, end of 2010. Uh, and we started beginning of, uh, it was February 2011 with the first uh, official pre-season test in Valencia. So it, it was uh, incredible. Uh, we made it because uh, all the team was very committed. We, we forgot holidays, Sundays, weekends, anything, because we had to uh, achieve the target in, in within the deadlines. You know, in motorsport, you cannot miss any deadline. So you cannot uh, come on Monday at the track and say, we, are, we, we have the tire because the race was the day before. So we had to... <laughs> <laughs> fulfill all the deadlines and uh, it was an incredible challenge then we realized that uh, the challenge is every day in formula one basically it, it never stops uh, every day there is a new challenge you start to 
know better uh, all the stakeholders, the FAA, Formula One, that has many changes during this long period, the teams, drivers, uh, and we have a lot of requests every day from uh, any of these uh, stakeholders. And uh, uh, we are a bit in the middle of all these requests and we have to manage all, all this in the best possible way. Yeah, absolutely. And you've come so far. I mean, it feels like Pirelli is synonymous with F1 at this point in the best way. But talk us a little bit through the tire life cycle in Formula One. So how, where do they get made? How do they get to the track logistically? How many do you supply per weekend? And we'll yep. eventually get into this, but what kind of happens to used tires at end of life? Yeah, we produce all our Formula One tires in uh, Romania. We have a dedicated factory in uh, Zlatina, and we have also a backup factory in Turkey, because if anything happens in Romania, we need to be sure to have the tires ready for the for, for all the events, so we cannot stop Formula One um, because we have an issue with the factory. Then uh, we um, sea freight uh, all the tires for Europe, European events. Uh, the tires are going uh, from Romania to Ditko, to UK, where we have uh, this uh, technical center. Because, you know, the tires are randomly allocated by the FIA. And so we have to prepare the tires in our trailers in order to be ready to fit them quickly at, uh, at the race, at, uh, at the venue. We don't have a lot of time. We transport 1,800 tires per race wow. and we have to fit them in a bit more than one day. We start fitting uh, Wednesday morning and we have to finish not, late, not later than Thursday around lunchtime. So that means that uh, we prepare as much as we can. For European events, that is possible, sending the tires from the factory to the technical center. We receive the, the, yeah, the allocation from the FIA. This is a guarantee that we cannot make any special tire for anyone because we don't know the, yeah, the allocation in advance. So through the barcode, we allocate the tires and then we transport the tires at uh, the event and we fit them in one and a half day for the uh, overseas events uh, we see freight at the tire obviously we uh, we see freight uh, as much as we can because the impact on the environment is much less compared to air freight mm -hmm. we fit the tires as i said uh, uh, before thursday afternoon then we uh, deliver the tires to each team we have one engineer allocated on each team, and this engineer is, uh, is there to support the team uh, with data, collecting data, uh, suggestion, and so on. But we have a very strict uh, uh, method, protocol with all the engineers, because it's not just uh, the product that has to be the same uh, for everybody, but also the technical assistance provided. If an engineer is giving more or less information compared to another mm -hmm. one, mm -hmm. he can give uh, an advantage to a team. So we, he has to follow, he or she, because we have also female engineers, uh, they have to, to follow <laughs> a very, very strict protocol. At the end of the race, uh, we have a number of tires that, are, that we take back uh, to, uh, to Europe for additional analysis and all the tires are recycled. So we collect all the tires used in Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3, and uh, we are trying more and more to collect the tires uh, used at the events uh, to recycle them. 
um, in the first part of our um, let's say experience, we were creating energy from the tire, recycling tires, creating energy. Now we are in the process to generate new materials from the tires, and we have mm -hmm. also new projects for the future uh, because sustainability is a, is a pillar for the company in order to recycle the used tire in uh, in the best possible way now obviously more modern technologies are available and we are uh, testing these new technologies in order to recycle as much as we can in terms of material in into the tire you know it's a mix of rubber textile material metallic material so so we we, we do that uh, and uh, and we recycle all the tires used and since we're talking about sustainability we know that sustainability is a core focus of pirelli and its operations so from your sourcing of raw materials to the fact that from 2024 all f1 tires used will be forest stewardship council certified which is incredible your use of sea freight, as you mentioned, tire end-of-life practices. Tell us about some of the highlights there and why it's important to you and the organization. It's really important because a certification that is given by a third party is not Pirelli that is guaranteeing what right. we are doing because, uh, to be honest, we started many years ago to consider any reduction in the impact, on, in the carbon footprint uh, impact. Um, so the, this certification is, uh, um, is something that is coming from a very serious organization yeah. that is assessing that uh, what we are doing in terms of uh, all, uh, all the steps in the process from uh, raw materials to uh, all the life cycle of the tire is, uh, uh, we, we are doing that in a sustainable way. Because, uh, as I said, uh, we, for example, uh, our factories are using electricity, electricity from uh, sustainable sources uh, since uh, quite a lot of time. We mm -hmm. got uh, we got a three stars certification from the FIA two or three years ago. So it's not something that is is new in the company. Uh, the way in which we transport the tires. Uh, sea freighting, as I said, or with the trucks, uh, with uh, the latest uh, Euro 6, uh, don't remember the letter T, certification uh, that is low impact uh, fleet. Uh, is something that we have since uh, a long time. Not only this, uh, my opinion is that sustainability is something that you have to consider in all the small details. It's not mm -hmm. just one project that could save the world. And so in any small detail, for example, we have part of our team kit that is made with recycled materials. Our luggages are made with recycled materials. Uh, we, um, from 2021, uh, we avoided the usage of single-use uh, uh, plastic in our operation, catering operation or logistic operation. So there are a lot of uh, stories around our involvement in sustainability. Sometimes they are just small details, uh, but small details can make uh, a difference altogether. Also, yeah. we are working together with the FIA and Formula One to reduce the number of tires that we use at each event uh, without affecting the show, without affecting uh, the sporting mm -hmm. side of the championship. 
and uh, the alternative tire allocation that was tested in a couple of races in 2023 mm -hmm. it's another example for that we are working to and we already have the wet tires that are working without blankets that means uh, saving energy so as you can see there is a lot going on around sustainability from uh, raw material to end of life of the tire uh, and to have now this uh, certification is really uh, a stamp on what we are doing. Yeah, so absolutely. That is so great to hear. And we know with the 2026 regulations kind of coming around the corner, I know it's a few years off, but I'm sure there's a lot of work already going into that. You know, with 2026 regulations, different car concepts comes different aero packages, loads that obviously affects the tires a lot. How much are your tires and your operations sort of changing for that? And is your team already working on those concepts? In this long period in, in Formula One, we had many changes. We had uh, the introduction of the hybrid power unit in 2014. Mm -hmm. We had the uh, wider sizes in 2017 we had the 18 inches uh, uh, tire in 2022 so we are quite used to big changes <laughs> in formula one every year we develop our product but in some cases like 2026 there are big changes what we do is uh, to try to we cooperate uh, uh, quite well with the teams with the fa with f1 in order to simulate as much as we can so, for example, for the 18 inches tire, we did the same. Uh, now there is the possibility through a virtual model of the tire to simulate uh, the expected performance of the tire. It could be 16 inches, it could be 18 inches or whatever. What is important is to work together with the teams uh, and they have a good virtual model of the car. That's also good for sustainability. I didn't mention it before, but uh, thanks to this approach, uh, to the virtual design of the tire, we reduce not only the time for the development, because in Formula One, time is always uh, <laughs> a big challenge, <laughs> but, uh, but also the number of physical prototypes that we make uh, during our development. Uh, for the 18 inches tire, just to give you a number, we develop uh, 70 different specifications, but we tested on track only 30. Wow. Because it was possible to anticipate the behavior, the performance of the other specification through the virtual, the, the virtual models. We have a thermomechanical model. We, have, um, uh, we use a finite element analysis. So we have a, a lot of tools uh, that can give us the possibility to, to predict uh, the behavior. And we will do the same. Actually, we already started for 2026 because uh, clearly at the moment there is only a project, uh, different downforce, uh, different performance, different size of the tire. We have to put all these elements together to understand how the new package will work and uh, give our feedback to in the, in the relevant committees. There is a technical advisor committee in the FIA that is working around that. We have our engineers that are in the committee to provide the feedback on uh, the expectation also for the tires. Mm -hmm. Wow, it sounds like you guys are firing on all cylinders and it's definitely great to that, you know, Pirelli is so technologically advanced and moving so fast with F1. And of course you just resigned with F1 through 2027, which I think will make 20 years of consistent tire supplier for F1. What does that mean for you to be selected sort of by the pinnacle of motorsport to continue your relationship with Formula One? Uh, 
As you said, you have to be at the top of technology. And that's also very useful for us and for the company because the technology we develop in Formula One is uh, in a certain way transferable to the road tire. So mm-hmm. Formula One is a, is a very good uh, gym for us to develop technology. And the fact that we uh, have been able to renew the agreement until 2027 is a great recognition from uh, all the stakeholders that we did a good job and uh, we deserve to continue. It was not easy. We have... Uh, always a stronger competitors, uh, but uh, I'm very happy that we had this opportunity. Uh, you said this at the beginning of our chat that uh, now the name of Pirelli is linked with, with Formula One. It was not easy at the beginning and it needs quite a lot of time to, uh, to put in the mind of the people that Pirelli is linked with Formula One. Now we have this uh, association and I believe it's very important for the company to be associated to the pinnacle of motorsport to the right. most important championship. And there is a lot of uh, uh, behind the scenes that uh, is probably not known because being the sole supplier, we uh, we do a good job if uh, nothing happened. Yeah. It's, it's a bit strange to say, but uh, if we don't have an issue, if we have a nice race, if we have different strategies, uh, if we have a team struggling also to understand which is the best strategy, that means we are doing a good job because we have a good show, a good sport, and we give the drivers the possibility to emerge. And sometimes this is not a recognition that is given to the tires because the tires are just an element <laughs> in, in, in the package. But this is exactly what happened. We are happy when we have uh, a good race, uh, like what we had uh, last weekend with yeah. uh, drivers fighting until the last lap. Yeah, that moment was incredible. It's like we haven't seen that in Formula One for quite some time, but it was it was great. Yeah. Um, and I love what you said about Formula One being kind of a good R and D lab or a gym for that, because I'm sure those learnings trickle into your other businesses and road cars and tires for for those sorts of vehicles. So that's great to hear. Um, as promised, we would love to hear a little bit more about your volunteer work as a first responder. We read your profile in The Athletic by our dear friend, Luke Smith, mm-hmm. but tell us more about how you got involved and why that piece of your life is important. Yeah, it's very easy. When I was 18, I had some uh, friends doing this. In Italy, it's possible. You you have to follow a training and then uh, you are authorized uh, to work as a first responder uh, for the emergency system. Uh, at the beginning, I was not very happy to do that or m- very motivated because mm. uh, clearly in big cities, I live in Milan and I'm doing that in Milan, uh, you can see anything. Okay, When yeah. when you, you receive the call, it can be anything. Sometimes it's nothing serious. Sometimes it's something that is very serious or you, are, you have in your hands the life of other people. So I was not uh, really... With, with this idea to continue, but uh, I did uh, the training because I believe that the learning is always uh, helpful or useful. Uh, after that, uh, I started to think, uh, okay, but I, if I do the training and I don't put this in practice, it's useless. And I started to do this activity, which I still do after 35 years, and I still enjoy to do that. I. Obviously, during the year, it's a bit difficult for me because during the, the season, right. the, the Formula One season, 
obviously it's a bit difficult for me. Uh, usually my night shift is from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then I go home, take a shower and go to the office when I'm in Milan. So I give more availability in the winter season when I'm at home, November, December, January. It's a bit easier for me. When I started, I was at the university, so I had a lot of uh, spare time I could use for that. <laughs> now it's a bit more complicated. I was trying to use my experience uh, in driving because I currently also, I drive ambulances and uh, I try to use my experience to train other drivers. So I'm in, wow. a, in, a, in a working group that is looking after uh, the ambulances in my region, Lombardy, and we train uh, drivers to do the job in a more professional way and in, uh, in the best way. And I like this. I would like to have more free time to dedicate to this activity, but unfortunately, my job is quite demanding, so I cannot do that. <laughs> I, I do that, but in a very limited, yeah. uh, limited time. Well, the fact that you do it at all, we were just talking before this with Luca about the schedule and it's it's crazy how much you all travel. So kudos to you. That's very, um, very inspirational. Yeah, we we travel uh, around 200 days per year. So it's wow. uh, and consider that obviously races are during the weekend. That's not 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 during the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the normal working week. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, when when I'm back, I always try to give a bit of uh, availability to the other guy because my association is made by volunteers so it works because they are all volunteers and obviously when i'm not here when i'm not available there is somebody else that uh, that is uh, uh, replacing me so (laughs) i try to do the same when when i have a bit more time well that's very inspirational Um, So we always do a fun thing at the end of our interviews called hot take. So we're just going to ask you a quick question and you'll just tell us the first answer off the top of your head. It's not hard. It's fine. Don't worry. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Let's try. They're all, they're all good. So what's your favorite motorsport moment of your career? Uh, The victory of spa 24 hours in 2005 with Maserati. We were first and second and it was an incredible achievement. After 24 hours, I tell you that was incredible. <laughs> yeah, you're probably delirious at that stage. That's incredible. Um, I'm sure you are close with a lot of people in the F1 world, but who are you closest with? A, a lot. Uh, I would say Gunter Steiner at the moment. Okay. We are very good Love friends. That. <laughs> very cool. We approve. Um, favorite track? Favorite track? Uh, I like Montreal. I like... Yeah. Uh, um, Austin, I, I had the possibility to run in Austin and it's incredible track. <laughs> That's great. Um, and favorite moment volunteering as a first responder? After 35 years to find a favorite moment, it's, it's probably a bit hard. difficult. <laughs> the, the first time that I was able to um, add a call for a baby that was born and I, I, and I did it. Oh, that's incredible. So it, it, it was, uh, I was a bit nervous, 
yeah, uh, because you never know what happened. But then when the, the baby was born, I was super happy. And I remember the nurse that was, ah, we call, we call him Mario. I said, no, 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 <laughs> no. the mom will decide the name. <laughs> That's, That's incredible. Um, and final one, favorite hometown recommendation. So any restaurant or thing that we would do if we were to come to where you live? Uh, here in Milan? Yes. Here in Milan, I can suggest, I'm an expert in restaurants, not, not other <laughs> clubs. I can suggest Trattoria Arlati, typical Milanese food, super good. If you like Japanese, Neta, sushi. There we go. Great. <laughs> All right, adding those to the list. The, mo the most, uh, <laughs> the, the, my preferred um, places. Obviously, I don't spend a lot of time in Milan, so when I'm in Milan, I tend to go in the same places where <laughs> I, I feel at home. <laughs> you have your you have your spots. We love that. Well, Mario, thank it. you so much. This was incredible. We learned so much about Pirelli, your career, your life, and we really appreciate the time. Thank you very much.